What Jesus is saying to us is, I am the way. I, the word, am the way. This is the way to go. And I, the word, am the life, and I, the word, am the truth. What we really have to understand is, in the beginning, was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. John chapter 1. Because if you're thinking of Jesus as a human being, how's he going to lead you? And yet he leads us at all times. In fact, we are never left alone. We who belong to God are never left alone. In us dwells Jesus, the Holy Spirit dwells in us at all times to lead us, to guide us, to teach us, to comfort us, to help us at all times, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We have Jesus dwelling in us by his Spirit, the Holy Spirit. So we're never left alone. The world does not have that, but we have the Spirit of God. This is a tremendous thing because at all times he guides us. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12, the Apostle Paul says, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But we have the Spirit of God in us, so we can know what God wants us to do, and we can go in the way of God. We also are surrounded by flesh, and the flesh wants to go in the way of the flesh. And the way of the flesh and the way of the spirit are exactly opposite. But we do have the spirit of God in us. So we can choose to go in the way of God. And we can know the way of God. To me, it is an overwhelming concept that God did not leave us alone on this earth. That would be terrible. Those people of the world don't have any idea what they're trying to do. They just stumble about in darkness, and they don't know what it is that's tripping them up because they're going by the wisdom of man and not the wisdom of God. 
But we have the wisdom of God when we have the Spirit of God in us. Jesus is in us to lead us and show us what to do, and he shows us what to do by his word. By his word. It's not that he comes as a physical man and takes our hand. It's his word that he leads us by. He brings his word to our mind so that we know what to do. It is so simple, and yet it's a little complex to get the concept because the fact that we are never left alone, we are never alone. Always Jesus is in us. Here is a concept which we can meditate on day and night until it really reaches us. John chapter 1, start at verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was there before Jesus. Jesus is the Word, but in the beginning it was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, the Word. All things were made by him, the Word. And without him was not anything made that was made. Think of the beginning of creation. When God created the heavens and the earth, what happened? And God said, let there be light. Light was created by the word. Everything is created by the word. The heavens, the earth. Everything in Genesis chapter 1 is created by God saying, let there be light, there was light. Let there be this, there was this. The word created everything. So verse 3, all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Then at one point in time, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us in the form of Jesus Christ. And then he was crucified and went back into heaven where he is right now as the Word. So the Word was in the beginning. The Word is in the middle and the Word is at the end. When we read, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What that saying is, the Lord, the Word, is my shepherd. I shall not want. The Word leads me. The Word guides me. The Word restores me, comforts me. It's all in the Word. Verse 14 of John 1, And the Word was made flesh, and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That was the word. It was Jesus. But when you see Jesus right now, what you're seeing is the word. The word he speaks. It's always the word. So you have to learn when you read something about the Lord, that really what you're seeing is the Word. Proverbs chapter 4, 
My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. And so the word was made flesh and dwelt among us on the earth for a time. But he was always the word. In the beginning it was the word. When he came to earth as flesh, his name was Jesus, but he was still the word. And then he was crucified, and God raised him from the dead, and he sits at the right hand of God right now as the word. But he lives in us by his spirit. And we're never left alone. This is wonderful because he guides us. We have a confirmation of this in John chapter 14 verse 26 and in John chapter 16 verse 13. In those two sections of scripture, Jesus tells us what the word does for us. He teaches us all things. He guides us into all truth. He reminds us of everything Jesus has said to us. Now Jesus speaks to us through dreams, through scriptures, through concepts. He's going to guide us. And he shows us things to come. We'll stop and read those scriptures. John chapter 14, verse 26. Jesus says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. John chapter 16, verse 13. Jesus says, Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. This Spirit of Jesus is given to every believer to live inside the believer. It is not really accurate to say that we go to church. We are the church because the Spirit of God is in us. Our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. We read that in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And 1 Corinthians chapter 6, when two or more of us are gathered together, Jesus says he is in the midst of us. When two or more of us who have the Spirit of God in us are gathered together, great many people join the church without having the Spirit of God. We who have the Spirit of God are the children of God. 
Romans chapter 8, verse 14. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. You cannot be led by the Spirit of God unless you have the Spirit of God. You cannot understand things of God unless you have the Spirit of God. For 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul tells us, The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. You cannot have the faith that we need until you have the Spirit of God. When God speaks to us, and we believe it's God, we have the Spirit of God showing us it is God. We are sealed with the Spirit of God at the time we believe the Word of God. So every one of us who belong to God have the Spirit of God living in us to guide us into all truth, to teach us all things, to remind us of everything Jesus has said, and to show us things to come. And we live in that word which is shown us by God. That's the power of God. It is not in what we find by ourselves. It is what the Spirit of God shows us. We live in that word. It's all very simple. If you have the Spirit of God, He brings to your mind things said by Jesus, scriptures, concepts to show you the way to go. We had a man in our church group who went into his backyard and he was looking at his storage building where he stored his stuff. And as he looked at it, he began thinking about putting up a second storage building because the first one was getting so full, he thought of putting up a second one to store his stuff. And this came to his mind. Why don't you just get rid of the stuff? That was the Holy Spirit speaking. The Holy Spirit brings thoughts to our mind to show us the way of God in the issue at hand. You'll be thinking of doing something and you'll be considering all of the possibilities as you stand there looking at the object. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God will guide you into truth because he's the Spirit of truth. I had it happen in uh, the year 2020. I was looking at my old 1994 car and I was considering putting new seats in the passenger side of the car because I've had several broken bones and I have almost continual pain when I sit on certain chairs. And I was thinking of having those uh, past that passenger seat rebuilt and upholstered. And as I thought on this, I heard, or you could just buy a new car. I hadn't thought of buying a new car. It hadn't even entered into my mind until that moment. Or you could just buy a new car. Well, yes, I could because I just sold the house in Texas the month before. 
And I had plenty of money to buy a new car and have money left over. So yes, it would be a very easy yoke to buy a new car. See, these are how you know if it's the Spirit of God or not. If it is a very hard thing to do, you can rule it out. It is not the Spirit of God. But if it is a very easy thing to do, God's yoke is easy. His burden is light. When it's very easy to do it, you can just know instantly when it's the Spirit of God. If you have any question as to whether or not it's the Spirit of God, certainly you can pray and ask God, is this what you want me to do? And he'll confirm it to you. But I seem to know when it's the Spirit of God because I've been led by the Spirit of God for 45 years. And I know when it's driving me to do something, back off and look at it. Because I've never had the Spirit of God push me into doing anything. He leads me. He shows me the way to go. But I've never had him push me into anything. So if I had a spirit saying, you've got to do this and you've got to do it now, you've got to do it. You've got to tell them that. You've got to tell them that. I would pretty well know that's not the Spirit of God, but another spirit. The Spirit of God is pure, peaceable, gentle. And I've always found him to be gentle. Or you could just buy a new car. And to the man in our church group, why don't you just get rid of the stuff? Well, see, that's what God does. He leads us into the ways that are going to work for us. It would have been pretty much disastrous had this man gotten into putting up a new storage building. He was approximately 76 at the time. He had already had some severe physical problems. It turned out he got really sick about a year later and died. God knew that was going to happen. He knew, of course, he knows everything, everything about you. He knows past, present, and future. He knows exactly what's going to happen this time next year in our lives. He's not going to lead us to do something that conflicts with the best thing for us because he knows future. You can ask other people what they think you should do. You can ask your pastor what you think he thinks you should do. But he doesn't know future. I don't know future where it concerns you. I don't know exactly what's going to happen a year from now, but God does. So you're safer in listening to the Spirit of God and knowing the characteristics of the thoughts that come from God. James 1.5, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. It's a guarantee. He will give it to you. He'll give you wisdom on what to do at this exact moment in time. After you pray, 
I think you have to understand the way God speaks to us by his spirit and how the voice of God is so gentle when he brings us an idea. And James 3.17, the wisdom that is from above is first pure, peaceable, easy to be entreated. Pure, peaceable, easy to be entreated. You can read that. There are several characteristics there. It definitely has to fit that. When I'm planning a project, if it is very complex, I always know I'm not going in the way of God because His way is simple, easy, not complex. It all has to fit together for me to know it's the Spirit of God. But sometimes it's instant, like on the car thing. And even being instant, God reinforced it with me that night because he gave me a dream that I bought a new car, which I did do the following day, the day after I heard that word. Or you could just buy a new car. I don't like to wait after I've heard a direction from God. It gives too much opportunity for the devil to come in and say, did God really say that? Was that really God? I don't like to wait when I know I've heard from God. Why wait if you know it's God speaking to you? John chapter 14 Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me, the word. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. And Thomas said unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith, saith unto him, I am the way the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me, by the word. No man cometh unto the Father but by the word. I, the word, am the way to go. I, the word, am truth. I, the word, am life. So we follow the word given to us that's brought down from heaven. We follow the word by following the direction of the Holy Spirit who rises up in us in the form of a thought. It is a continual process. As long as we live on this earth, now the time comes that Jesus will return to take us into heaven. Just like he said here. He said, I go in to prepare a place for you, and I will come again 
and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 In this section of scripture, Paul tells us of Jesus' coming to collect his people. First, he's going to raise the dead in Christ because some of the church will still be alive on the earth. But first, he raises the dead in Christ. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. Paul says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, dead, concerning the dead people, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. The dead people in Christ, those who are already dead and buried, will be raised from those graves. Verse 15, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not precede them which are dead. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. So Jesus returns with a shout and awakens the dead in Christ, and they rise to meet Jesus in the air. Then Jesus raises those who are alive on the earth to come up into the air, so they and the dead who have been raised will be with Jesus forever. Not on this earth. This present earth will be destroyed by fire after the Great Tribulation. But there is a new heaven and a new earth where all of the children of God will be taken. So Revelation 21 tells us of this new heaven and new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness, that all who have been collected by God will be taken to this new heaven and new earth. Start at verse one, it's the Apostle John speaking. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, 
And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. For the former things are passed away. Neither will there be any more human bodies like we have right now. For in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul says, we'll all be changed. We won't have these bodies like we have right now. Why? Because it's by these bodies that comes decay, physical pain, emotions, sorrow, crying. We will not have these bodies. We will have a new spiritual body, says Paul in 1 Corinthians 15. Revelation chapter 21, verse 4, once again, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. While we live on this present earth, God leads us by his spirit, by bringing thoughts to our mind. He shows us what to do. He never leaves us alone. Never. 24 hours a day, he's with us. Seven days a week. You are not alone. I am not alone. Because we belong to God and have his spirit living inside of us so that we can know the will of God as we go forward on this earth. Thank you for allowing me to speak with you today.